Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mean Mommy Kink Podcast. But hey, real quick before we start, let's have a conversation about consent. This podcast, all the topics we talk about, this is for adults only. And I only bring this up because recently we've had some scenarios with unfortunately minors in the kink community. So real quick, if you're not 18, unfortunately, we don't want you here. You can always come back when you're a grown up, grown up, but we do not consent to this website or any of the community or topics we're discussing being shared with a minor. And if you're an adult and you're sharing with a minor, we want Go you to, to burn in hell. Yes, yeah. exactly. Burn in <laughs> hell very slowly. Yep. And Painfully welcome to me, mommy. Yeah, good opening. I, I feel it's the warm opening we're always looking for. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, we won't get into it too deep, but unfortunately there are A, people in the community who are bringing minors in, and there are minors who feel entitled to every space. And we want to remind both of you, both of those groups, that you're not welcome. <laughs> both groups, you're not welcome. The adults who enable them and the minors who don't take no for an answer. The mm -hmm. end. All right. Now that we have cleared that up in no uncertain terms, uh, we like to start our podcast off with a business that's either Black owned or uh, POC and queer owned. And so, and of, of course, related to kink, if at all possible. And so this one, look, look, I'm gonna just say real quick, I know that on this show at times, we've been hard on the rope community and we don't plan to stop, but we do love you as people. And so for that reason, we are going to recommend you some rope. You're welcome. They're actually really good quality rope. They're in beautiful colors and it's a black owned business. It is Pretty Rope Shop. They are on Instagram under Pretty Ropes with an S shop so two s's in there p-r-e-t-t-y-r-o-p-e-s-s-h-o-p pretty rope shop exactly and yeah, if so you pretty knew rope shop pretty rope if you knew shop. how much we don't care about rope then you would know how much we like this shop okay honestly right like <laughs> we're recommending rope to you and we're the anti-rope brigade this is some yeah. damn fine rope it's, it's some damn fine rope exactly it's it good comes stuff in just gorgeous colors it comes in mommy mint green which it's so hard to find mint green things for those that are unfamiliar with the hanky code that could be a whole episode on its own but it's basically a way to flag with bandanas what people want based on the color of the placement of the bandana and the mommy color is mint green everybody knows knows daddy is hunter green i recently was in a, a zoom with a bunch of like seasoned kinksters that had decades of experience and when i we were playing the what's your hanky game and when i pulled out my mint green hanky none of them knew what it was so that was depressing so i'm mm. here to tell you mint green is the mommy color i have lots of mint green things all over my house because i love it so much and they have a, a rope color called mint to be and it's mint green it's fabulous um so i was immediately drawn to the colors. If for any reason I were to further learn rope, I would buy these ropes because they're just so pretty. So there you have it. Even people that aren't into rope think these ropes are amazing. So visit yeah. Pretty Rope Shop. 
if, especially if you're a rope person or if you're trying to get into rope, they look like really good starter rope as well, really reasonable prices and just lovely colors. So, yep, enjoy that recommendation. Yay, never say we didn't do anything for the rope community. Honestly. We're, we're so selfless, um, you know, just out here helping the next generation of fuckers. Right. You can live your pastel Instagram rope fantasy dreams with pretty rope shop. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> well, today's episode is going to be fun for me. Very cathartic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be cathartic. And I feel like at this point, people that were going to cancel us have probably already canceled us both for different reasons. Correct. So we may as well just burn the last of the bridge. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Correct. Yeah. Lean in, lean in. There's right. going to be a, a, a certain type of person who is going to hate us today. They and hated us before though, so it's fine. Yeah, but they didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to tell them. Okay. So this episode is the tender queer to toxic little pipeline. So we're going to real quick break that down. The tender queer to toxic little pipe pipeline. So um, Miss Lola, what would be your quick definition of a tender queer? Oh, Jesus. So it's really someone that... Um, is an incredibly selfish feelings-based human being that mm -hmm. thinks that their feelings are the most important feelings and anyone else that has a feeling that is in conflict with theirs is directly harming them in some way. Um, Correct. Someone that really weaponizes therapy language. Mm -hmm. um, so if you run into someone, every conversation you have seems like they picked up a freshman psych book and just went wild, but don't actually know what they're talking about. That's a red flag. Mm -hmm. um, because you actually can communicate without using therapy words. People have been doing it for thousands of years. Um, it, it also is someone that um, very much doesn't like to put in actual work. And I mean like physical work, they'll like complain about, you know, an event or a venue or a group that isn't meeting their extremely high standards, but then mm. they won't show up to help with the work whatsoever. Mm. So they're, they're the kings and queens of never doing shit. Um, and they also are hugely into cancel culture, which I would like to say, I think that cancel culture in its original form is really useful, right? Mm. Um, take the sex in the city guy that just got called out by two more people for sexual assault when we had a black woman calling him out decades ago for sexual assault. If we'd canceled him back then, maybe he wouldn't have had a venue to get to more people, but whatever. Mm. So, you know, when it's someone like that, that is using like massive power and influence, cancel culture can be useful. But if you're just weaponizing it because you don't like someone as a person, not because there's actually some like big community safety reason for you to be talking like that, that's mm. an issue. So these are people that use cancel culture. You know, everyone at this point in the queer community has met at least one tender queer, if not multiple tender queers. And yes. the word itself has been co-opted because it really did start off as like people that were gentle and wanted to kind of, you know, I kind of like think of the person that would enjoy a cuddle party. Like it started off just being that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my, it, under, 
my understanding of the beginning of it was um, radical softness, the type right. of person who really wanted to embrace their vulnerability and their softness and who didn't want to have to struggle love, who didn't want to have to have conflict, like someone who appreciated their feelings and emotions, which is great. I love a person who appreciates their feelings and emotions. The concern is when well, you do co-opted. It turned into something else. And so now it is no longer a good thing. Correct. Unfortunately. So the um, way I said it was like now you avoid all responsibility and accountability, or your feelings are some some sort of super unmanageable thing that everyone else has to deal with. You don't have to ever deal with them, but everyone else but every, ends up dealing with problem. them. Correct. Yes. Um, a really kind of good analogy about how it, how it went from being like a positive to a negative is if you think of the phrase, my body, my choice, mm-hmm. it was like such a good, powerful phrase for body autonomy for such a long time. And then anti-vaxxers came along and fucked it up. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not your choice to hurt a community full of people because you won't do one simple thing that inconveniences you. Right. That's the same sort of thing. Like it started off as like, a, I am personally a gentle person and I'm very loving and very caring. And it turned into, I am an entire tidal wave of feelings that doesn't care who I destroy in the process of letting my feelings out all over the place. Wait, wait, we got to backtrack. Here's first it's I'm a small, soft potato who everyone should cuddle and feed candy to and tell is beautiful. Like everyone should pay attention to me because I'm soft and small and wounded. And then it turned into also I age regress or also I want to be treated very young I want young things I want to be juvenized like it became this treating you like you're smaller and then it turned into never wanting to be treated like an adult like adulting is bad adulting is hard I don't want to think about adult things I just want to be this perfect baby all the time and now that I'm a perfect baby I'm expecting everyone to think the way I want behave the way I want have the politics I want and I'm going to make demands about their time on the internet. If I have to explain myself, then I'm going to cry because explaining myself is too hard. Communication skills a lot of times shut down. So they don't, it, they want to be nonverbal or. Or, you know, it's, it's not even that they necessarily shut down. It's that they're so incredibly kid gloves that they're just at that point useless. Um, yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about a definition of toxic little, because I don't think that we talked about it a little bit in our first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but in case someone is confused about that, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a little that doesn't put anything in on their side of a relationship and expects their big to literally be a parent, life coach, um, an assisted caregiver, um, what else, uh, a financial aid assistant, um, a cook, a maid, a, cook, a driver, a, maid, a driver, yeah, yeah. It, a personal assistant that organizes their life because they can't make executive decisions on their own, like a therapy dog, all the things. So <laughs> it's, it's someone that is basically failed at adulting. And rather than work on themselves, they have found what they have found a kink that they think is perfectly suited to mean mm-hmm. that they never have to adult again. They're like, oh, there's nothing yeah. wrong with me. I'm just a little. 
And it's like, yeah. no, no, littles are adults. Littles are functional adults that enjoy yeah. little time. Or littles are functional adults that have childlike qualities to them. Or littles mm-hmm. are fun functional adults. But they are functional adults. Like, if you cannot function as your own adult, that is a separate thing from kink. And just yeah. saying, the reason I can't function is because I'm so little. I'm small bean. That's not acceptable. Yeah, can we just say real quick, like a lot of folks, they love, they get interested in kink and they find out what their role is and then they decide they have to live in that role 24 seven. But even if you are little or even if you're in a master slave or whatever kind of dynamic puppy, whatever, you're still an adult human. You still have to master adult human skills. Yes, you can. Sometimes you have to adult, whether you like it or not. Exactly. You're literally required to, because whether you, however you feel in your heart, you feel two years old, but you're walking around with a grown person body, eating as a grown person, taking up grown person space, bills, life. So even if you have some wonderful 24 seven arrangement where you can be a little most of the time for your safety it's required that you know how to turn on your adult self and you should be able to do that regularly. You should be adult more than your little, sorry to say for you kinksters, like even the folks who are 24 seven in dynamics usually are adult more often than they can be little. I would say then they can be all the way into that regressed little space. Most of the littles I know that are 24-7, like I said, they're functional adults that have some childlike qualities to them. So they can go to the doctor on their own and adult at the doctors and tell the doctor what's going on with their body, go through some testing, blah, blah, blah. But then maybe when they get home, they get a sticker because they went to the doctor. It's not that they like shut down, cried, had to be handheld by their daddy at the doctor's office, had to have their daddy tell the doctor what was hurting because they couldn't talk. Like that's not going to be seen as a functional adult to the rest of the world. You can't go doing that. <laughs> like, right. like and- the doctor's going to be more worried about what's going on with you mentally at that point than anything else. And like, if so- you're at the point where you can't do those things, then like, you know, words like functional, you know, we're not trying to be ableist. If you're not able to function to certain degrees, there's no shame in that, but that's not your kink. You know what I'm saying? Like if you have entirely your kink, you know what I mean? Like it's like, you can work your kink into being disabled. I have lots of friends that do that. Yes, correct. But those two things, like one didn't cause the other one is not in, you know, it's not, it's a separate thing. Like there comes a point where you just have to adult and maybe you're an adult that, you know, needs help with what have you. Maybe you're an adult that wears diapers all the time because you physically, medically have to. That's Mm. still not quite the same thing as being a full-time adult baby. Yes. It's like, yeah. When you are requiring other people to take care of you when you are capable of doing it yourself. And also if it's become like, I could learn to do this or I could work on myself but rather than do that, I'm going to expect my partner to make up that, that rest of it for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's the problem. So yeah. if you're in a space where let's say that your mental health is not at a place where you can function as an adult, you can leave the house, 
you can call people on the phone, you know, the phone, phone companies messed up my cell phone bill, I have to make a call and deal with that. You know, these are things that you would want to say, I need to work on that so that maybe someday I can get past the things that are creating this anxiety or this non-functional whatever and try to improve. It's not saying daddy always makes the phone calls because I'm too scared to do it because that's not functional adulting. Yeah. And you haven't even explored whether or not you might be able to do that someday. So I used to have a rule with my relationships to me, if you have some mental illness going on, that's not a deal breaker, but you have to be working on it. Correct. I'm glad you said say, that. You can't yeah, just say, I have anxiety, period. Therefore, I'm just going to act, you know, melt down randomly all the time because I have anxiety. Like, no, you have to be working on that. Like, if it's causing disruption in your life, you have to be working on that. You know, you can't just say, I have depression, so I'm going to disappear for weeks at a time and then come back like nothing happened when I'm feeling better. No, no, that's not okay to do. You have to be working on that. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm glad you said that because um, if just real quick to go off of that, like we talk about disability, if you are learning you have a disability, a mental disability or what have you, like if this was a physical disability, then we would get you mobility aids, right? Yes, you would have a, a wheelchair or a floor not moving. Exactly. That make any sense. We'd get and you that's going. the point. If you're getting to the point where you're not able to regulate your emotions and every time you have an issue, it requires a village of people to regulate you, then we need to talk about different routines, different diets, different medications. I'm all for whatever is required, whatever your mobility aid needs to be so that everyone mm. isn't required to maintain your sanity for our mutual peace. Like, yes, if you have a mental illness, that is your mental illness, but you are still responsible for how you treat everyone, even Absolutely. with your, your illness or your disability. Like if I have a bloodborne disease, I can't just bleed all over other people. Like I am responsible to take care of my space. Like whatever my illness might be, I can't just put that on anyone you know so it's the same thing mental illness is the same way and people with mental illnesses can still do kink people with mental illnesses can still date and fuck each other or other people no one's saying that it's a deal breaker you know whatever the situation is but yes you have to learn how to manage it whatever your scenario is period and you have to learn how to manage it in your interpersonal relationships i think there's a big misconception that once you have a partner, especially once you have a big in age play, mm -hmm. they've signed up to put up with whatever fits and tantrums and bullshit you, pu you pull. Yeah. And that is where the tender queer too toxic little pipeline comes through because mm -hmm. just like tender queers think that they can vomit their emotions all over the community and their interpersonal relationships. I know quite a few littles and I've unfortunately dated some of them that think that as soon as they have a big, their big is now their therapist and their punching bag physically or metaphysically mm -hmm. and, you know, there to clean up every emotional mess that happens. And yes, your partner will be there when you have emotional things going on, but if you are an emotional mess almost all the time and you're never there to be kind of a reciprocal support for them that's out of balance yeah so I had a relationship that ended very very badly and I won't get into too terribly many details but basically during the course of that relationship I had done a ton of emotional labor and I had been the support for most of the relationship and then my father passed away 
Mm. And I, I loved my dad. I was, I was complete daddy's girl my entire life. And so it was really tough when my father passed away. He was by far the favorite parent. And like, it was someone that I was really close to who was just gone. And he passed away earlier than, you know, you would think that a parent would pass away. He's pretty young. And mm. so I went through it. I really went through a hard emotional time. And my partner was just absolutely incapable of being there for me because that's not how our relationship was set up. I was mommy, he was baby. And so it's like, I don't know what to do for mommy when she's crying. It's like exactly the same thing I would do for you. Yeah. And so there were times where I was literally just alone because he just couldn't be there. And, you know, if you're the type of person that like 90% of all the emotions are coming out of you and being absorbed by your partner, that's a problem. Yeah. I'm here to tell you that's a problem. And it might take you some, you know, therapy and personal work to figure out how to balance that out, but you're going to burn out your partner. It's a problem. And your partner probably really loves you and is doing everything they possibly can, but it's going to burn out your partner. Mm. So you, you have to be able to have a balance there. Um, and if you don't think you have to be able to have a balance, if you think that as a little, it's your big job to clean up all of your emotions all the time, you're a toxic little. Yep. That's the long and the short of it. Like if you think that's the way that age play relationships are set up, that mommy or daddy is the strong one that never has emotions and that you get to have all the emotions all the time and they just have to deal with it. That's not healthy at all. Yeah. Yeah. Because the only one who gets unconditional love is children. Adults have agreements where they expect reciprocity. You can't just- I'm here to tell you, most children I know are emotionally supportive when someone is sad or when someone's stressed. Like, have you ever hung out with a kid when you're stressed? They'll take on that stress with you and they'll be trying to figure out how they can make you calm. Mm -hmm. So if you're giving less emotional support than an actual child. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually, that's actually a really good point. And and the other flip side of this is a lot of times the toxic littles, they have um, the temper tantrums where they decide, Mm -hmm. I don't like someone in the community and now no one else is allowed to like them and they want to go on a campaign against them. And so we talked about cancel culture real quick. And I just want to say, unless you are going to tell me explicitly why this person is being canceled, I don't want to fucking hear it. Exactly. If if you can't can't tell me what happened. You know, like what the fuck happened? Exactly. Who, what, when, where, why? Like an actual action. Like, it can't just be like, we had an argument, and I felt like the way they were talking to me was very violent. It's like, okay, so you don't like this person, and they yelled at you. Did they threaten you physically? Did they come at you physically? Did they say they were going to do something crazy to you? Like, or were Mm -hmm. they just upset with you and using an upset tone? Because sometimes adults are upset, and they use upset tones. And no, you don't have to listen to that if you don't want to, but that's not the same thing as being abusive. It's true. (laughs) And and to take to take it a step further, it's like if this person isn't in a position of power where they're actually like in charge of a group or in charge of a play space or something where they're, you know, vetting people or something, if they're not in charge of anything, then they could just be an asshole. That doesn't necessarily make them a community threat. 
threat, well, the danger. Exactly. Correct. Yes. And, you know, I've also had relationships with folks who had some toxic communication patterns mm-hmm. that wanted me to never swear, never raise my voice, never express anger. And I was just yeah. like, that's not acceptable. I'm an adult. Occasionally, I'm going to be angry with you. I might even be angry enough to cuss at you because yeah. you did something. Like, yeah. That's you a did bit, a that's thing a, that was fucked. Like, if you do something ooh, fucked up, you just I'm got gonna me tell so... you you did something fucked up. I'm not gonna like sugarcoat it and be like, when you did this thing, mommy was upset. Like, no, absolutely, you did something fucked up. Why the fuck did you do that? Like, if you absolutely. can't handle it, stop doing fucked up things. Maybe like it's really like. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I think it's really important that we say this too because one of the things that the, the tender queers do is anytime you raise your voice or you're upset, they make you automatically to be abusive. It's like. I'm allowed to be upset when you don't respect my boundaries. I'm allowed when you don't listen to me say the word no. I'm allowed to say what the fuck is wrong with you. And if you start crying because you disrespected me and now I have to focus on your feelings, that you're being fucked up, honestly. Okay, I'm going to make a parallel that's really going to be what breaks the straw with the tender queers so that they never speak to us again, Lord willing. Okay. It's exactly the same thing as when white Karens start crying about your tone after they were racist at you absolutely absolutely so they do something racist at you and you cuss them out and then they start crying that's exactly the same energy of like if you done something mm-hmm. to a partner a friend a community group whatever and they're upset because of actions that you yourself actually did yep then you kind of have to take some accountability for that and you have to give them the space to be upset because you did something fucked up. And honestly, if you're as kind and gentle a person as you claim to be, if someone's upset with you, you should probably want to know why. Yeah. Instead of just focusing on their tone and focusing on the fact that they're mad and their communication is violent and you think that's abusive and so you're not going to listen anymore. Yeah, we we had to bring this up because this whole tender queer to toxic little phenomenon has been happening so much that it's almost in some ways soiled one of the things I loved about the age play community. It was like we were all just adults having fun and now it's turning into people who don't want to be adults ever. They just want to be treated like kids forever. And that was never what the kink was. It wasn't even about that. It was just you know, it was about people having these imagination games and these relationships and this sort of fun camaraderie, but it wasn't about we don't regulate our emotions. It wasn't about we stop learning how to talk like adults. Yeah. So it, it it's been a problem. Yeah, and it, 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 like I said, the Venn diagram of toxic littles and tender queers is a circle. Yeah. Because it's people that were already exhibiting this behavior and then found a kink that they think legitimizes this behavior so we're here to immediately tell you it does not legitimize you and we don't want you to continue please stop I also find it interesting because these same people who hate confrontation are also extremely confrontational on the internet so talk a bunch of shit and never show up to anything Listen, y'all, I've, I've hosted so many events, virtual and in person, and the people who ask all the questions about who's allowed to be there, what kind of food is it going to be there, is it wheelchair accessible, like, I'm not saying these aren't valid questions, but a, but a great amount of the time, the people who are actually asking me these questions have no intention of actually showing up. 
I mean, they've even messaged me before and said, I'm not showing up, but I was just wondering, are y'all going to have vegan options? I'm not right. showing up, but I'm just wondering, uh, it doesn't have this, this, and the third. Like, and then they want to be the first ones that to tell everyone not to go. Or they want to say, you know, why does this party cost $20? Mm, don't get me started and on the $20. And it's like, because the space costs money and we're not all independently wealthy to be donating spaces to things. That's right. why. Like, right. if you had an issue with the cost, you could have phrased it in a different way. We could have found you some volunteer opportunities to figure something out instead of you just demanding that things be free. Yeah, but you know, they don't come to the free ones either. I've hosted That's free so parties. I've hosted free parties too, mm-hmm. and they're empty as hell. And they're empty as hell. They cost $20 and they're packed. I don't they're packed. It. I don't understand. I it's don't so understand. true. It's so true. When you make free resources for people, they do not show up. And then when you make them pay $20, they want to pay 10 and mm-hmm. then if they have to pay the full price of 20 or more, then they respect the time that it took That's to weird. create the event. There was a local group that was running sex parties for trans, for POC trans people, trans and queer people. Mm-hmm. And they were awesome. They were at a local bathhouse and the owner of the bathhouse was donating the space to this uh, local trans group. Mm-hmm. And they were absolutely free. And it was a ghost town every single time mm-hmm. I went. Mm-hmm. Like 10 people, maybe 20 at the max. And this bathhouse can house like 100 people. This is, of course, pre-COVID. Completely empty. And it was a scot-free party in downtown San Francisco. So it's like, why would you not go to the Castro and go to a free party? I don't know. I don't know I either, don't but it. it's, it's happened over and over. And they put in all that over. time and work. They found all the kinds of volunteers mm-hmm. to babysit the space for 10 people. Like there are more volunteers than people attending. But I bet you the organizers got an email afterwards like, oh, please keep me on the list for the next one. Okay, like show up to things. Like I know with COVID, it's a little bit of a caveat. Like once it's safe to show up to things, show up to things, people. There's a little no, bit of No, you tangent, know what? Like if you don't physically show up to things and you're steady talking shit online, then that is part of the problem. Um, Listen. This actually leads me to a couple of really good resources that I wanted to point out. Speaking of online, mm-hmm. um, I follow a couple of Instagrams that are really kind of spitting straight facts and like taking it to tender queers and like showing you like this is not how this should be. And mm. I know it's ironic that these are both Instagrams talking to you about how you should get off Instagram, but here we are. Um, here we the are. First is Sirat Shala. And she is a, um, a psychotherapist and has a lot of really fantastic, very like to the point infographics about how you can't actually just do therapy using infographics and how the culture of Instagram telling you that rather than go to therapy, you can take a bath and just remember your self-worth is not the same thing as actually fixing the stuff that's wrong with you. Mm, say it and I speak as someone that has been to therapy more than a few times you should fix the stuff that's wrong with you it's a thing that you should do and there's Especially all kinds if of different you're doing therapies some are sliding scale etc cetera, etc cetera, but you should seriously even if you think you're relatively mentally healthy it's like checking the oil in a car you should go in every now and again just to be like oh there was a thing I didn't realize was unresolved or yeah, that... why I date the wrong people or whatever. So let me spell her Instagram for you so that you can find her. S-E-E-R-U-T-K-C-H-A-W-L-A. Secret K-Chala. 
really, really talented, really straight to the point graphics. Um, so graphics like things Instatherapy won't tell you. Sometimes it is your fault. You might not love yourself completely. Self-esteem comes from esteemable acts. Emotional regulation requires discipline. Some pain isn't healed. You learn to live with it. Coddling is just as bad as neglect. Narcissistic self-focus isn't healing. Stop looking for a savior and be your own hero. Um, and then there's also one somewhere in there where she ends it with, and please stop diagnosing everybody that you don't like with personality disorders. Hello. Mm. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> everyone you don't like is not a narcissist. That's a real thing that some people are. But everyone you don't like is not a narcissist. Just like everyone that says things that hurt your feelings is not an abuser. Yeah. Those are very real words that have very real weight and meaning. And when you use them to just cancel someone you don't like, it's really shitty. Not just for the person that you're trying to cancel, but for like people that actually need to use those words and need community support for real things that have happened. All right, there is a second Instagram that I also like, really easy title to remember, Hard Femme Lessons. So hard, H-A-R-D, femme, F-E-M-M-E, lessons, L-E-S-S-O-N-S. -S -S. Again, really funny. This is not a therapy slant of things. This is just memes that are funny about tender queers. Has a tender queer bingo, has a bunch of memes about, you know, tender queer culture. And it's just someone that, you know, has kind of embraced being a harsher type of queer. So you may not agree with everything they have to say, but it is definitely worth a laugh, especially if you've been in the path of any tender queers recently and you're a little tired and burnt out from the experience. I got one more that I like. Right. It's called Cursed Cancellations on Instagram. And this one is like probably the most extreme, but it's just... <laughs> It's just um, memes about tender queers canceling people, which I always find to be interesting. The idea of like, oh, my feelings are so special that everyone should pay attention to me, but your feelings aren't important. And now I'm going to crucify you on the internet based on your opinions and thoughts because you should have just known better. But anything that I got going on deserves excuses and attention and coddling and praise. You know, it's very much like what's good for one ain't good for the other. <laughs> right. And I want to say oh, this about, I just want to say ahead. one thing about cancel, canceling folks. It's like, I'm not against it. If you are really a motherfucker, then you should get canceled. Like people, I, my way of canceling someone is I, I don't fuck with this person. And I'll tell you a reason why. It's that either your concrete reasons why something they did, or sometimes if I don't have a reason, but something in my spirit is just telling me I really don't mess with them. I'll say that. I'll say, you yeah. know, I, I don't even have a reason, but I don't like so and so because something don't sit right with me. I don't. And I will preface that too by being like, this might be a me thing. Exactly. But exactly. I don't like X, Y, and Z person. And exactly. that's not the same thing as canceling. You can tell someone you have a gut feeling about someone that you don't have any reason to have a gut Absolutely. feeling about. Absolutely. Absolutely. share that. Please share that because your gut feelings are often right. But that's not Look. the same thing as like this person assaulted multiple people. Here right. are the people. Here are their stories. 
they've been drummed out of the following organizations right don't go near them they're now they're hunting online because they can't go anywhere offline which by the way is another reason that you should not only do kink things online it's a great Mm -hmm. way for abusers and predators to reinvent themselves as a different person and Mm -hmm. they know good and goddamn well that if they showed up to their local kink event they'd be told to get the fuck out immediately but online they can suddenly be a kink educator. They can be uh, a mentor. They can be uh, a really cool bunch of photographs that you don't know are people that aren't talking to them anymore. Yep. Uh, that is an Instagram that you follow and, and you might think that they're a really cool person because you don't know any of this stuff. So I, know, I, I'm not I, saying don't make friends online. I'm just saying vet people with real life people, not just internet people. And, yeah. you know, vet people through actual groups in the community because there may be a reason why they don't go anywhere in their local community anymore. I mean, I, I, I'm going to say, honestly, the community is so small, especially once you start to talk about queer people, people of color, like mm-hmm. the community is so small. If somebody's an educator and nobody else knows them, that's, that's the biggest red flag ever period There's i don't mean to say wrong with them or their brand fucking new and they don't actually know much about what they're talking about look between me and lola if there's a black person coming around and kink and we don't know nothing about them that's just suspicious to me because mm-hmm. i usually I'm keep a list regina george I'm literally regina george and mean girls why don't i know you exactly <laughs> <laughs> There is not a black kinky. Every time a black kinky person pops up, I'm like, okay, were you were you a swinger? Like, how did you like? Where did you come from? Because right. I, I damn near know everybody, and they know me Especially too. Especially in the queer scene, because the queer scene's even smaller. Listen, so okay. if you're a bipoc queer person and no one's heard of you, you must just got here, and that's great. Welcome, but don't go yeah. be an educator if you just got here. Let's be clear. Like yeah. I still go to classes and I've been teaching classes for well over 10 years and I still go to classes because I can Absolutely. always improve. I can always learn stuff. I just want to see what cool new skills and fucked up stuff I might be able to pick up from my fellow perverts. Absolutely. Uh, so if someone is brand fucking new and teaching a class, mm, unless it's a panel on being new to the kink scene, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real talk. And there's things that you notice about people who have actual lived experience that they'll say certain things or they'll make comments and you're like, oh, okay, they actually know what the fuck they're talking about. And then there's mm-hmm. things that new people say where you're like, wow, they have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Like you right. can tell and you think mm-hmm. you're fooling people, but, but my job is not to point out every catfish in the community because I really don't have time for that. But I need people to ask more questions. If you had asked questions, you would know this person is not what they're talking about. They don't know anyone. They don't have any accreditation. They don't, their profile isn't even that old. Like, right. Or even if ways. you'd asked around and been like, this person wants to do X, Y, and Z. Is that normal? People right. that have been here a little longer could be like, oh, what the hell? Or they can be like, yeah, that sounds fine. Make sure that you take X, Y, and Z precautions. You know what I mean? Like it, it's really quite helpful to at least be friends with someone that's been doing this for a while. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the ways that you can com- combat being a tender queer or being a toxic little is actually having a community of littles that you talk to people. Yeah. Like, because if you're just like, isolated and alone and you start thinking that your emotions are the only ones that matter, then you're going to interact with the community like they exist solely to be your entertainment and not just also other humans who do this stuff from their own perspectives that you could get insight from. 
Yeah. So. And you're yeah. also going to treat bigs as if they're a commodity and not as if they're people. And that's something that littles do all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad when you run into that because you're always just like, oh, you were so cute. And now you're just like treating me like I'm a vending machine of the things that you want instead of yeah. an actual person. Like you're not interested in any of the things I'm interested in at all. You don't even try. Uh, you want things done the way you want it all the time. And if I make a request or something, suddenly you can't do it because reasons. Um, I'm supposed to read your mind about your emotions, about your likes and desires. You don't know how to communicate things. You know, like it's just kind of like, and then, you know, inevitably when those sorts of relationships go very wrong, you're going to be messy all over the internet and say, well, I'm a bad dominant because I didn't do everything perfectly all the time. Yeah. And like, sometimes things don't work out. You find out you're not a match with someone that just, you, you, the vibe doesn't check and that's fine. You know, it doesn't mean anything was bad. It just means you weren't feeling it or they like to do things X way and you like to do things Y way and that doesn't work. So, you know, breakups don't actually have to be messy. I am friends with most of my exes. By the way, someone who is not friends with any of their exes is a huge red flag. Mm. I'm not saying all your exes have to be your bestie because I have plenty of exes that I never speak to, but I have a solid number of exes that I'm still cool with. You know, we don't date anymore. We don't necessarily sleep together anymore. Although some of them, if you're really like cool and chill, you can sleep and play with and it's not a thing, but that's a, that's a personal decision, but you should at least like talk to them. Like if you see them roll past online with a cute picture of their dog, you should be able to hit the like button. Like it should be like a normal level of interaction. If you have zero exes in your life that you're still talking to, you need to figure out why it is you date people that are that terrible or what it is about you that makes your exes never talk to you again. Either way, you need to figure out what the constant is. And if you are seeing someone who never has a single nice thing to say about any of their exes ever across the board, that's a red flag because odds are you're going to end up being an ex. Mm. I would also say, unless it's an abusive relationship, like specifically abusive, then you probably both have done things. Even if you don't like the ex, you should be able to say what you did wrong as well in the relationship. Well, and and like I said, an abusive relationship, that can be one of those exes that you don't talk to anymore for a good goddamn reason. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that you have to be, keep all of your exes in your life because listen, I know plenty of people, myself included, that have crazy fucked up exes. Yeah. But if none of your exes are still talking to you. I think, I think part of that is when, you know, going back to the littles, like, putting a whole lot of expectations on the other person, but then refusing to have any expectations put on yourself Mm -hmm. is a really big red flag. And that's what I've seen a lot with littles is like you said, the idea that mommy and daddy have to solve everything and they just have to show up and be cute. Like, I'm sorry, no one is that motherfucking cute, period. Nobody, no one. You're not, no one. So if I, if I say something like, hey, you know, dinner's over, can you do the dishes? And you pitch a whole fit before you do the dishes, that's not really what I'm after. Yeah, I shouldn't have to fight you to do things that outside of kink are normal behaviors for people who are together, like chores, you know, somebody's got to cut the grass, take the trash out, like these are normal things. But you want to have a motherfucking temper tantrum because now you've regressed to the point where 
And if and if your kink is making it so that you're less able to speak, that's not great. <laughs> you know, well, like so we've had this talk before. Like it's not great for you. I think with that, if you negotiate the appropriate time and place for that, it's fine. But if you're just suddenly regressed to a point where you can't talk and you haven't cleared that with your partner, that might be an issue because your yeah. partner might be expecting you to help them with something. They might have plans to go out. They might be whatever, whatever. They might be about to go play video games for three hours and not wanting to watch you in baby space. So you yeah. need to clear that. If you're going to be down that far into your headspace, and this is really with any type of kink, because let's say you're like a human animal or sure. you're a really like grovelly on the floor, silent type of submissive, you really need to clear that with your person before you go all the way down to that space, because you're not going to have a, a top to hold your space for you. Yeah, that's really what being a dominant is. It's about holding space. And yeah really good dominance are really good at holding space but also that takes up a ton of energy and i don't mm -hmm. think submissives realize how much energy that takes they really don't and not having having cleared that you need like the full hundred percent of space held you're giving all the space to your dominant not having discussed that in advance that is a lot to pull on somebody it's not like I don't have my own emotions and shit too. Like that's the thing with littles is you could be grieving and your grieving could actually remind me of my own shit. And now I'm grieving, but I'm still holding space for you to have your moment. Who holds space for my moments if you're not right. capable of doing that? Like who gives me a fucking hug? Yeah. And I, there's, um, I can't remember who wrote it. I wish I could to give them credit, but there's a really great... Um, really simple analogy for partners where both partners have some sort of anxiety or um, issue where they get stressed out and, you know, really to meltdown type levels, you can't both go up the tree at the same time. Yes. Because if you're both up the tree, who's going to get you out of the tree? Yeah. So if you're so anxious, you've climbed all the way up to the top of the tree your partner has to be on the ground and has to be able to get you down. But if you both go up the tree at the same time, then things go all the way off the fucking rails. Yeah. And I would add to that, you can't just randomly go up the tree all the fucking time <laughs> because your partner's going to burn out getting you out of that goddamn tree every day. Yeah. And if you true. notice that you're, if you notice you're up the tree more often than not, it is therapy time. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a failure of a human being. It means there's some things that need to be shored up. Yeah, maybe you need a ladder. I don't know. We got to figure and something out. The ladder could be medication. The ladder could be uh, holistic. It could be meditation. It could be a new way of thinking of things. It could be a change of environment. Who knows? But a therapist can definitely help you get there. And, and it's someone that it's paid to help you get there. So they have space to help you get there. Whereas your partner is possibly very tired. Yeah, your partner is not being paid for this. No, it's not being paid and is possibly doing it all the damn time instead of at an appointed time once a week, like a therapist would. So it's therapy yeah. time. If you notice, because listen, I came from a place where I used to have extremely bad anxiety, like mm -hmm. 100% fucking bad. And yeah. it took a little medication to sort that shit out. And I remember um, the kind of first time I realized that the medication had really kicked in. I was in a really hectic situation 
and I could just feel my body being groovy. And I was like, man, if I weren't on pills, I'd be freaking out right now. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, say what you want. (laughs) That's how I feel every time I light the blunt. I'm like, you know what? Let me just get my right, brain. And that's a holistic right. way. Mm-hmm. That's a holistic way of coming at it. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, pharma. It can be holistic. It can be breathing, whatever works for you. No judgment, whichever way you decide to go, but something has to happen. You can't just be freaking out all the time. You can't just yeah. be not functional all the time. You can't expect your partner to always function for you all the time. And you especially can't expect your partner to function for you all the time because they're your mommy or daddy. Yeah, I think the main point here is whether you're neurotypical or neurodivergent or whether you have a disability or you don't or whatever have you, everyone is responsible for their own adult selves. Mm-hmm. And so this kink we're doing is a fun thing we do in pieces of our time or in portion of our time. This is not the, the lens by which we rearrange our adult selves. You're not turning into your little fully all the time. It's just something that you can enjoy, but you are still an adult who has to be able to maintain yourself and your sanity, however that looks. And yeah. No one can tell you the best way to do it for you. Like we're saying, medication, what have you, all kinds of stuff. Some people need a wheelchair. Some people need glasses. Some people need pills. Like no shame about it, but you are responsible to figure out what the fuck you need. And your, your, your daddy, your mommy is not going to be your wheelchair. They're not going to be your glasses. They're not going to be your pill. And so the scary part is seeing these littles online talking about I need a mommy to make me take my medication. I need a mommy to make, make sure me I get eat. up. Yeah, make sure I wash myself. Make sure I do this. Make sure like, I go to my college classes. Like, oh no, oh no, baby, no. Like even somebody who <laughs> who could find that sexy, like myself, if it was actually happening, like if I was doing that for the person that I care about, I could make that sexy. But I'm not trying to sign up for that as a job description for you well, when you clearly aren't offering anything here's the thing I actually am a dominant that finds that level of micromanagement really sexy but it's a huge commitment I'm not just going to do it for anyone let's start Mm -hmm. there I'm not going to do it for someone I just met online or have gone on one date with or whatever because it's a huge amount of responsibility to be responsible for another person to that level you know the amount of apps and alerts on my phone would be off the fucking charts and before I make that commitment I want to make sure I really fucking like you absolutely as a dominant and especially as a mommy dominant I generally have my partner and submissive's best interest in heart and it is not in their best interest for me to circumvent them learning how to adult. Absolutely. The first rule of BDSM is protect the property. You are the property. It is your job to protect yourself first. It is not your dominance job to protect you first. You have to protect you first. In fact, you have to protect you from the dominant if necessary. If they aren't doing their part, you still have to. Exactly. So if I do it for you, you're not going to know. Right. So if I decided I were going to micromanage someone, it would not look like me texting them, it's noon, time to eat lunch. It Mm. would look like you texting me when you've eaten your lunch. Correct. And what you had for lunch. So I would know it was a solid meal. Because it's you to eat your shit. Mm -hmm. And I'll hold you accountable, but I'm not going to be your goddamn alarm clock. Correct. 
Correct. Accountable. You have one on your phone. You can go ahead and set that to remind yourself to eat lunch. Mm-hmm. And now, and, so. and, and, and sometimes there's like some small things that you might like be the absolute micromanager on, but they're usually like very highly specific things. It's not every fucking thing. Well, and even if it is every fucking thing, like I said, it's going to be more me holding you accountable than anything else. So yeah. it's going to be me telling you to log into the app and check off that you took your pill morning, you took your pill night. It's going to be me expecting you to text me a picture of your lunch and your dinner every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's not that I'm doing it for you because I could text you 9 a.m. pill time, pill time, baby girl, pill time, baby boy. Yeah. I could do that, but that doesn't teach you to take your pill. And what if we break up? Suddenly you're at sea because you've let, by the way, these littles have the worst breakups in the world because mm. they made someone their entire universe of emotional support. Mm -hmm. And then when that person is gone, they are just at sea. They're yep. completely bereft. They are hurting on every single level because they don't have an adult side to take care of the little side that's hurting. Yeah. Now your pills, you're associating them with me instead of with your own mental health. So now you don't want to take them because they remind you of your old mommy, not because you need to take your motherfucking medication. Like, well, not only that, you don't have someone texting you to take your pills. So you forget. Yeah. or you're so incredibly upset because you know it's it's emotional when I, I feel like age play breakups which we'll do a whole show on breakups some other time mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much more emotional than normal breakups because you've gone into really vulnerable parts of yourself that you yeah. don't normally go to and that's the case for both the big and the little the littles never think that the big is hurting as much as they are but we super grieve age play breakups it's, it's literally it's like losing a piece of your heart and yeah. so that's another reason I don't just jump into age play relationships with anybody um but like the if you don't have an adult side of yourself to take care of your little when you go to go through a breakup mm -hmm. it's like the sky is falling like literally and that's it's your inner you child have it's your inner child that's been hurt and that's mm -hmm. if you didn't have a big that was doing everything for you it still hurts if you had a big that was taking care of every little detail of your life now all of a sudden you're sad you're alone you're depressed you're probably triggered from a bunch of shit in your actual childhood that this is poking and you have to suddenly figure out how to do all the things for yourself that you didn't have to do before so that's not great that's not a great position to be in and you shouldn't want to be there I think the common thread here we're talking about about accountability and responsibility with um, knowing if you're going to, you know, tender queer or a toxic little. There are people who don't have the accountability or the responsibility. There's this sort of fixation on another person coming in from outside who will have all the answers magically or just do everything for you. There's this hyper fixation on other people, expectations you have for them and there's a level of entitlement like people are just going to do what I want think how I want behave how I want or else and whatever consequences you have for them not behaving the way you want are justified because you feel righteous and like you have some sort of campaign of righteousness social justice-ness that you have to defend against other people not living the way you want them to like don't get me wrong if somebody is being racist or sexist or transphobic or homophobic or whatever that's fucked up behavior but even that like there's levels to the shit 
you know, like people can learn, grow. Are they someone who's receptive to the information you said, or are they just being an asshole? And even if they're being an asshole, like, what is the purpose of your campaign against them? Like, what are you actually trying to accomplish beyond telling everybody this person did something fucked up? Like, if they're not running an event or something, like, what is your goal? Right. And it's like, are you trying to purely enact revenge? Mm. Or is this person a threat to the community? Right. So is it like, they hurt my feelings, they had the nerve to break up with me, they had the nerve to X, Y, and Z? Or is it like, this person harmed me, and if they go out and do it to someone else in the community, that is also going to harm it's it's really sad to say this, but um, the community has got a lot of awful rapists and predators, and you're actually going to have to decide what's what's worth your battle. Like you're gonna if you're in the community long enough, there's going to be some rapist who's teaching a class, or some person who's doing something fucked up, and it's really awful to say it, but you're going to have to decide what where your line is. Like my line is I'm not going to go to a class if there's a rapist teaching it. And I don't mind telling people because I've got a big mouth. But at the same time, I can't expect everyone to react the same way. And some people have a higher burden of proof than my word. And I can't convince everybody everything. So I'm not going to take it on like some fucking crusade to stop sir so-and-so. I can just tell it as much as possible freely to anyone who asks so that it's common knowledge. And then adults have to make their own decisions. Yeah. And I think that like a lot of times you'll see folks online really leading kind of yelling, screaming crusades where anyone that disagrees with them is immediately siding with the abuser. And it's like, I just asked a question. Like, I don't know either of you guys, what's going on. Exactly. The real way in which people tend to effectively get abusers out of the community is by going straight to community groups and leaders and being like, this person did X, Y, and Z to me. Correct. Most community groups and leaders in the year of our Lord, Beyonce 2021, going on 22, have accountability processes already built into their groups because sadly, this shit is not new. Mm -hmm. And so when you go to these groups, they are going to usually say, okay, here's what we do in these situations. And it might be like, we want to talk to you both individually and figure out what's going on. We want to have a mediator present. We want to do this. We want to do that. And so there's like a process that happens so that they can try to establish what the hell happened and what they're going to do about it. And that is far more effective than just screaming online, because if the abuser did actually do something there is an accountability process in which that group can be like, okay, we've heard both sides and this is not okay. And this person is no longer welcome at our events. Or this person has to attend therapy and be gone for six months and then we'll reevaluate or whatever the accountability process is. That is far more effective to get that person out of the community than just yelling. Yeah, and you also got to be prepared for the fact that the person may not be kicked out of the community. You just may have to either go to different events that don't have them there like that you know not every place is going to cancel them even if like it's so sad to say that but I've literally been to a party where my friend was raped that there (laughs) like at the party everybody saw and the person was not banned and I had to decide do I want to keep going to this party or not 
And so and that might be the level where you then do have to take it to the court of public opinions if the person that was victimized is comfortable with that. That's another thing. Tend to other people's stories and start hollering and screaming on the internet about them. But like mm-hmm. that is really traumatic if the victim doesn't want that. So first of all, establish with the victim what they want to do before you go doing this like a cowboy on the internet. And if they're comfortable with that, then that's where you need to escalate things and let people know, hey, this party is fucked up because X, Y, and Z happened and they took no action whatsoever. Yeah, but another thing tender queers need to remember is that whoever is the victim is 99.9% of the time going to get blamed in the scenario for bringing it up. So you're oh, actually yeah, going to their make, life is going to be fucked up. You're going to make so it worse by talking about it at really, all. You need to really like talk to the person that was victimized and make sure that they want that course of action because they might not. And if they don't, you have to respect yeah. that. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable talking to the victim, then don't share the story. Because you're not, not, you can't, you can't it's decide not they tell. were, exactly, that's my point. If you don't feel comfortable, like, like in the story I'm telling you about this person, I talked to that man and I told him, you, you know, raped my friend. Like we had a whole fucking conversation, me to his face. And then I talked to that girl and me and her had a conversation to their face. But long before the fucking community heard about the story. So if you're not willing to go to both people involved, then you really don't give a fuck. So don't and that's share why, it. Yeah, that's why I'm saying community groups, like I said, usually have an accountability process that is exactly that, going to both people and point blank asking them what the fuck happened. Right. And so if you're just yelling on the internet, you're not actually going through any sort of accountability process. It doesn't give any chance for restorative justice to happen. Um, yeah. because not everyone did something so bad that they never need to be seen or heard from again. They may have just fucked up and they may have just communicated badly and they may be able to go through some counseling and learn that what they did was not okay and not to do it again. Or yeah. they might actually be a predator and a habitual abuser that needs to be gone. So there's a bunch of ways where we can figure out what the right course of action is. Generally, yelling on the internet is not the best way to go about it. It's not going to yeah, get destroying the desired people. results. Yeah. It's not going to get the person that cause the harm to want to open up and talk to you and get any kind of help or figure out what happened it's not going to make the victim feel safe because they're going to be in the middle of all this crazy business you know and then the community is going to just draw sides and the people that support the you know abusers going to double down the people that are against Mm. it's just a mess it's a huge mess when it could have been handled in a way that is like here's an actual accountability process so you can actually figure out what happened and like i said if you've tried it that way and you had the result of the party that said fuck you the rapist is great then at that point that might be time to actually go on the internet and be like no change happened we tried and no change happened yeah the transparency comfortable yeah the transparency depends on what the victim's comfortable for i will say also if there's a minor involved i don't want to hear both sides period oh yeah no if there's a minor involved i don't care whether the sex was consensual or not correct no yeah, it's that's the only time I don't want to hear both sides. If there's a minor involved, I don't give a fuck. I don't care if the minor lied and came in there even, which I've definitely been in some kink clubs and seen people in there and they said they were 18 and I did not fully believe they were 18, but I'm not, you know, the, the people who let them in the club has to check the ID or whatever, but I still didn't trust it or just because. So before I played with them, I asked to see their ID again because I wanted to make sure, right? You don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was younger, I would go to places I wasn't supposed to be, in at, be at. So I can't even act like I'm above that. 
but um you have to do your own due diligence you're gonna get caught up that's half the reason i don't play with nobody who look under 25 because i'm not getting caught out there period yeah, no. period no. period because if it, it's my fault if i stop playing with somebody and i think that they were whatever and they're under 18 then that's my fucking fault it's not yep. the, it's not the other person's fault it's always the adult's fault because you're an adult and it's your job to know better and to check and you're you're it's your fault it's like it's hitting fault. a pedestrian in the crosswalk it's your fault no matter whether the light was green or red because you have a car and they did not exactly if i'm a 30 something year old adult and i want to play uh, i want to age difference for some reason i think that's sexy to me and i start playing with somebody that's got a 10 15 year age difference that's weird one and also if they're under 18 it's my fucking fault i can't i don't want to hear nothing about fake ids none of it it's all bullshit i used to work at a bank i I know what a fake id looks like exactly it's your fault period yeah no there are some times where you really don't care to hear the other side of the story minors are certainly one of them Mm -hmm. um the people that you will occasionally hear about in the news that like kept a girl against her will or something like that. Oh like, my God. I don't want to hear that. I don't care how she got there. If she has to leave, you didn't let her fuck you. Like there are some extreme cases where absolutely you can absolutely judge. And there are some cases where people that are high, um, high level celebrities, like actors and singers and whatnot need to have their status stripped away from them so that we stop rewarding this bad behavior mm-hmm. and stop making everyone else think this bad behavior is okay to do so there are some cases where the internet really is the best court of opinion because these people are public 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 figures but if it's something that is a little more on the community level and it's more important to get the abuser out of a specific community then you would want to start with community groups that's going to be the most effective See, that's, not just that's about my making thing. the abuser sad it's about yeah. getting them out of people's way so they don't harm people and they don't stop having access to local people and and that's that's been my problem with tender queers it's like it's been so focused on the feelings about something that's happening or some sort of perceived revenge or whatever their version of justice is it's like no i need you to have information about what the fuck happened so you could tell the community like what kind of like abuser is details. this is he yeah. roofing people is he beating them against their will is he kidnapping like what the fuck is happening that you're protecting us from first off like that's vital information actually if you're supposed to be saving people and then you know so you can tell me what the fuck he did and then like what the fuck you're actually asking like he shouldn't be allowed to come to this party or i'm just telling people what he looks like so if he shows up in your area like what are you actually right. trying to do versus this generic action plan that's not yes. just yelling yeah and there needs to be like specific harm done not just like this person was mean or this person was violent, like, how were they violent? Well, we yeah. got into an argument and they yelled and told me I was an asshole. That's a very different story than we got into an argument and they punched me in the face. Like, Yeah, and they love to be vague, different. man. They love to be vague. Oh, this person was, this or person was hostile. So to my friend and it's like, which friend? Can I talk to that friend? And then suddenly they disappear. 
Yeah, you can't tell me which friend. So your friend got um, sexually assaulted. But then when you hear the story, finally from the friend, it's somebody grabbed your ass at the bar. I'm not saying you didn't get sexually assaulted, but you're talking about this man on the internet like he's out here raping everybody when right. he grabbed well, your ass at the conversation bar. conversation of you saying, don't touch people at our bar. If you do it again, you can't come back. And then he doesn't touch people again. Absolutely. You know, like it, it can be that easy. Because honestly, he might just be a complete total knob that doesn't fucking realize that that's not okay to do in a kink setting because a lot of vanilla people the first time they go into a kink or sex setting think that normal social rules no longer apply because they just don't know any better so he might just be like literally brand fucking new and just clueless and the minute you say hey it's not okay to do that just like you wouldn't do that outside of this bar he's like oh yeah you know, a lot of people like, are clueless about the actual like um kink works. manners yeah. yeah because one thing i've noticed and there's no disrespect to swingers specifically but i will notice that in swinger places you're allowed to touch people before you speak to them so mm, like no. if, if you're if you come with a couple one of the ways swingers will sometimes initiate is the two women will start to touch each other and then Ugh they'll like, you know, okay, what do you want to do? Yada, yada. So like you start an interaction by touching. And so then swingers will come to kink events and want to touch in order to initiate. And kinksters are very much like, don't fucking touch me unless I've given you express permission. And also like it, it difference across the the different, even leather cultures, because gay male culture is a lot more touchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, female leather true. is a lot more touchy and maybe that's not the best thing but that's the way the culture is right now you can negotiate a whole scene with touch and eye contact without saying mm-hmm. an actual word because sometimes in a disco it's too fucking loud to say a word Yeah, and suddenly you're in like a blowjob and hair pulling scene because you were able to like touch and nod your way into that whereas like it's very different on the other side of things Yeah, you don't want to try that in a lesbian bar it's not going to end well Although I will say one of the first times I went to Baltimore Playhouse, um, somebody took their titties out and was smacking me in the face. And that was how I was introduced to the Baltimore Playhouse. So, I mean, we didn't really talk about that either. And so, I mean, I, you know, I wanted it off the street. Our point we're trying to make is be specific about what happened it should have either happened to you or you should be able to reference directly the person it happened to so that someone can talk to that person. Correct. You have their permission, if it's not your story, to tell their story all over the place. Mm-hmm. You should be able to, you know, if someone needs you to go through an accountability process, that should be something that you're willing to do. It should, there, there are just like really basic ways that we can establish all kinds of good information that is possibly necessary for us to have. But if you're trying to use cancel culture as a revenge tactic, really quickly, your stories start to fall apart. Yeah, cancel culture works best when you have the actual information and everyone is willing to be transparent. The second you can't tell me whatever the fuck is going on or why this person is the devil, that's when I check out. I don't have time to guess why somebody might be dangerous you know i'm assuming everyone's dangerous already so or like the well my friend he did this to my friend a while ago and it's like which friend where and what and you're like well, i don't know i heard from somebody else that this other person had this happen to them and it's like okay six degrees of kevin bacon do we have any actual <laughs> like can is there something that happened because i again we do want to know 
what happened to whom, when, what the hell happened, you know, that if it's hearsay and conjecture and you don't have a single solid actual person, an actual event to point to, that's an issue. Yeah, vetting, vetting requires information. Mm hmm not just vibes and if it is just vibes you can then you should stand on that that. absolutely i've vetted people before and i've been like i don't think they're dangerous but i've seen them do this that and the other that i don't particularly like yeah you know you can absolutely vet people based on your perception of them because it's um it's like when they call someone for a reference for a job interview or an apartment it's like yeah they paid the rent on time but they had loud parties every single weekend and all the other neighbors hated the noise like Mm -hmm. On paper, they paid their rent every time. They didn't break any walls or any, you know, whatever. But all the neighbors fucking hated them. Yeah. Make your choices. Are you okay with that? Like, (laughs) or you can also be like really specific. Like, I don't think this person would be great for you based on the fact that how I've seen them play, they're very rough. And it seems like that's not your style. So, right. That's just based on you don't like needles. Right. Or like, I've seen them do this, this, and this. And, you know, I know that you tend to like the opposite of that. So are you trying to explore something new? And are they aware that you don't like to do things that way? You know, because yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty hard top. People that have um, played with me or seen me out and about know that I flag black for a reason. I'm a pretty hard top. So if someone wants a light and fluffy scene, it's not that I can't do it. But it would be nice to know that in advance so that I am mitigating what I'm expecting from the scene. And it's probably not going to be a scene that's very long for me. It's not going to be a scene that I kind of want to come back to. And that's Mm. fine. There's nothing wrong with that person. We're just not a great match. This is not someone that would want to, like, date me for, like, a long-term relationship because one of us is going to be upset and it's probably going to be me because you can't just beat someone against their will. So I'm just going to be bored. So... So yeah. it's like, you know, I and I wouldn't expect someone to push their limits and boundaries for me. So I would just be bored because I'd be staying within their limits and boundaries. So, you know, figure out whether you guys are going to be a match. And people that if someone were vetting me back and forth, they might say to that new person, like, you don't like really a lot of pain and she is a sadist. So maybe you guys aren't the best match. Yeah, that's that's it right there. That's pretty much the vet every time somebody talks about me it's like oh you know Jackie really be beating people so you really want to do that you sure right (laughs) like she will beat you and laugh Mm -hmm. so are you sure that's what you want because she will laugh at you when you're crying she will find that very funny that's true I do dreams are delightful so Mm -hmm. are you sure that's what you want or do you want someone that spanks you a little and then when you go out that hurts they cuddle you because that's the thing you can get but not for me yeah not here Many people do that, though. That's, like, a big thing. Spanking fetishes love to do that shit. They love to spank you, spank a little bit. Lots of hugs and kisses. Find you one of those tops. But I'm not the right one for you. And that's okay. You know, like I said, I wouldn't want someone to push themselves to the point where they're black and blue and bruised when that's not what they wanted to do. I wouldn't want that at all. So, there you go. So, yeah, tender queers uh, asking for things that they don't want writing checks they can't cash, making demands, having expectations, offering nothing. talk about that for just a second? Writing checks their asses cannot cash. Tender say bullshit online that would get them knocked out if they were walking through polite society seeing that to people's face. Mm-hmm. Just 
fucking crazy shit that mm-hmm. if you said that to somebody's face, it would be on site. Like you don't even like what the fuck. And yeah, and the internet got part, y'all fucked up. The internet really got y'all right. fucked up. Yeah, the internet my got y'all fucked up. favorite part about these people is that they then think that nobody remembers the crazy shit that they said. Mm-hmm. And occasionally one or two of them will actually show up to something. And we'll all be like, isn't that that asshole that called everybody all out of their name on the damn internet because of some mm-hmm. reason that didn't really need all that crazy yelling and cursing? All caps, memes, etc. Like all the things. And so they'll show up to somewhere and they'll be like, why isn't anyone talking to me? Yeah, because you burned all your bridges. Right, because you acted a whole ass fool on the internet when you could have come at something a little more politely. You acted a whole ass fool. And so now the only thing we know about you because you're brand new is that you're a whole ass fool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Other thing I had, I I was meant to say is tender queers who, uh, or people who join the community when they're underage, stay long enough to become an adult and now want to use all of the underage time that they were around as part of their their journey to reach like whatever Mm -hmm. it's like okay just because you had a fake idea for two years a fake id for two years and you tricked everybody on on this adult website now you're you have all this experience and you want to what sell services Just because or because you had a tumblr and you followed other age play tumblers does not mean that you have years of age play experience it means Speak you have it. years of experience scrolling on tumblr exactly and now you have years of experience scrolling on instagram so guess what you have zero years of real world experience <laughs> and you're going to be starting from zero when you show up to your first event we will welcome you with open arms if you're 18 plus or in some areas 21 plus but you're starting from ground zero. You've heard the terms before. You've seen some pictures. Now get yeah. ready for real life because real life is a lot different than the internet and you will find out. You'll yeah, learn real- all sorts of things about yourself at your first age play event in real life. Like, <laughs> like, like your kink journey isn't the first time you masturbated. Right. Your kink journey isn't the first time you had sex. Your kink right. journey isn't the first website you found. Your kink journey is when you actually, as an adult, dealt with another kinky adult. It's not just your masturbation schedule. And it may not go the way you think. We've covered this before. People masturbate to all sorts of things that they Mm -hmm. would never do in real life, would never even think about doing in real life. It may turn into that for you. It may be some hybrid mixture of the two. I Mm -hmm. used to run the Little Smunch in San Francisco, and there was once uh, somebody that was sitting near our munch but not at the table with our, because we used to push all the tables together, make a big, long table. So I came over and I asked this person, like, hey, are you here for the little munch? And they're like, mm, I don't know. And I was like, mm. all right. And, you know, I've been in King long enough to know maybe they're new. I'm not going to push it. And I'm like, well, we've got coloring books and crafts. Would you like a coloring book? And they're like, sure. And the entire munch, they did not come over and talk to us. They just sat there and colored. And to this day, I'm not sure if there's somebody that was in the kinky coffee house and just wanted to color for a while, or if they were checking <laughs> out the little munch and too nervous to come over, or if they checked it out, decided they didn't love it, didn't want to sit with us. I don't know. No skin off my nose either way. You're welcome to hang out and color next to us or whatever. No pressure. So you learn all sorts of things about yourself. Maybe at home, they've got a closet full of baby clothes. I have no idea <laughs> to this day because the person didn't come sit with us. So like, you never know. You might get into real life and be like, oh, I don't actually know that I want to do this outside of my house. Like, you never fucking know. Mm. So, you know? Yeah, um, and that's why it's important to have an identity 
that isn't just that one thing because mm-hmm. until you've actually tried it and know that's what you want it's all just internet bullshit you know I can yeah. get on the internet and say I'm a 27 year old white girl and you know I love to dress up and wear clogs and I can say any fucking thing on the internet I not love your clogs true. Megan I love them <laughs> thank you you like the tulips the tulips I'm a lifestyle clogs. clog blogger <laughs> I clogs to different hiking destinations all over America well, you know, it's really hard being Swedish. And so I, we, we yeah. started this podcast to talk about our Swedish roots. Like, mm-hmm. you can say any fucking thing. That's half You really could. Yeah. And it's so easy to lie when we're talking about fantasy already. And that's mm-hmm. where the internet gets really scary with kinksters because we're talking about fantasy. So people just say whatever. But some of it and is also, connected like- to visually do whatever too because one of my favorite trends on the internet is when influencers will pull back their camera and show you what's outside the boundaries of whatever photo backdrop they set up so Mm. they'll look like they're in a beautiful heavenly cloud with sparkly lights and they're wearing their cottagecore dress and their little bonnet and they'll pull back the camera and that'll be like one small spot on a wall in a fucked up college apartment <laughs> and they are like on the struggle bus and clearly need to do some dishes. And, you know, there's a dog passed out just off scene and their brother's mm. playing video games down the way. Like, I love that shit. Cause it's like, actually, I'm a real person. And this extremely curated, manipulative place I've created on Instagram is a fun escape, but it's not actually life. I don't actually yeah. live in a happy fairy cloud palace as much as I'd love to. I do mm. not. <laughs> I live in a in a one bedroom with my brother. He sleeps on the couch bed so that he can play Warcraft all night. That's what we actually. <laughs> yeah, that's another good thing too. Like, let's talk about the fact that most of the shit people are saying about King Online is fantasy and fake. Even mm-hmm. the folks who are doing twenty four seven, they're still showing you a tiny piece of their life. You're not seeing most of it, so. Yep. Yep. these expectations you we have for other people to be automatically woke and say the right things or to be super kinky or to be beautiful all the time or be the perfect little girl little boy all of that's bullshit nobody's doing that nobody's doing mm-hmm. that nobody's doing so, that yeah nobody is living 24 7 little lifestyle even if they are in age play relationship there are mm. times where they have to stack up an adult even if they are with someone that they call mommy or daddy all the time, mm-hmm. there are times where they have to log online and pay a bill and check their bank account. There are times when they have to go to the doctor. There are times when they have to go to the store because they're out of AA batteries and the remote's dead. Like, these are normal things that actually happen in real life. You know, there are times yeah. when your dog is sick and they're going to the vet immediately. And now is not the time for bullshit. Your dog is sick you know so (laughs) yeah and even if you have this kink for whatever your reasons are you're still required to learn how to regulate your emotions absolutely if you take nothing else away from this podcast take away that your emotions are your responsibility 100 percent, not like Mm. 50 not like 60 100 percent your responsibility and your actions have consequences. So if you do something fucked up, someone might get mad at you. Yeah. 
it's and their it's, right to be angry sometimes when you do something that was not okay and it's their right to express that it was not okay they don't get to hit you they don't mm-hmm. get to scream at you until you're crying but they might be upset they might cuss they might sound aggravated because they're aggravated at you and as an adult it's your responsibility to be like i can see how that made you angry i am sorry mm-hmm. Or yeah, I'm, an I'm adult. not sure why you're having yeah like just have a conversation of some sort but like if you 100% know you did something and mm-hmm. that person's mad because of something you did now is not the time to redirect to what you're feeling yeah your behaviors are still you're still responsible for your behaviors even if you're a small little baby mm-hmm. you know you're like even in your heart your emotions and you're responsible for your actions absolutely you can master that you are officially a pretty well-functioning adult congratulations because plenty of adults don't have like great credit scores and own their own homes or whatever they just know how to walk around in the world looking like they know what the fuck they're doing i'm looking at our list of toxic shit i think we got all of it right i think we knocked out the toxic list so um if anyone has any other thoughts and feelings about this, I'm sure they will. Feel free to hit up uh, the Perverts of Color DM. You can email your thoughts to pervertsofcolor at gmail.com. Uh, but, you know, we'd love to hear about it. I think it's an ongoing conversation. I know when uh, hard fun lessons really kicked off, a lot of people suddenly were just so fucking validated because they'd had these insane, ridiculous experiences with tender queers that mm-hmm. don't even sound like something that is true and that happened to them. And then you go there and you realize it's a pattern and other people have experienced it too. And you're like, I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> So it's true. If you, if you feel you've been hurt by a tender queer, please cruise by hard femme lessons and you will feel so validated. And if you're worried that you may be a tender queer, go to the other uh, therapist Instagram that I recommended. And uh, if you are offended by the things she's saying, you may need to have a look inward. If you um, have been hurt by a tender queer, you may be eligible for compensation. <laughs> you may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. This is our December episode, so this should be coming there's out. A solstice happening. There's lots of things. Yule. Yeah, yep. there's a couple things, you know. Mm-hmm. So happy whatever you celebrate. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>